0: man, you can do better than that. I said, can you give Jesus a mighty hand clap of praise here? He's worthy of your praise this morning. He's worthy of all glory. And it's such an honor to be here this morning. I want to say thank you to Pastor Brandon for the opportunity to be before you this morning to minister to you. And as he mentioned, I'm down here from Michigan. I've been pastoring up in Michigan for a little over two years, west of Detroit. And uh, I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing up there. Uh, It was a pre-established church, but we basically just started from scratch. It's been a new vision, and the Lord's been moving up there in Michigan. But I really, as he mentioned, I really have a burden for missions. And the Lord had opened up quite a few different doors. In fact, Brother Mark and I have served out on the mission field together. But I had stepped foot in about 17 different countries. And when I first received a phone call... To move up to Michigan to pastor a church, I was asked the question, is that something in your heart to do? And I said, to be honest with you, not really. I never thought I'd have the grace to be a pastor. How many of you know it takes a special grace to be a pastor? Amen. Can we give it up for your pastor here this morning? But I told the Lord if that's what he wanted me to do, I was willing to go up there And so we went up there, just began to lay a foundation and allow God to have his way. And so the Lord is moving up there and uh, just now have the opportunity due to the help we have up there to be able to travel once again. And I'm just thankful for this opportunity. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open them up with me to the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter five, beginning in verse 13. How many of you still have an actual Bible rather than an electronic device? Raise your Bible up if you have a real Bible. You're going to be the first ones to go up in the rapture. I just want you to know that. Joshua chapter 5, and I'll begin reading in verse 13. Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. And it came to pass that while Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked And behold, the man stood opposite of him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant?" Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Notice chapter 6 beginning at verse 1. It says this, now Jericho was tightly shut up, or one version says securely shut up. Notice that. It was tightly or it was securely shut up. Why? Listen to this. Because of the children of Israel, none went out and none went in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given you Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. Then God begins to give him the plan, and he starts to unfold the strategy of how the children of Israel are going to take this land. And he tells them, he said, I want you to take seven priests that shall bear seven trumpets. And I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant. And he said, I want you for six days straight to march around Jericho and don't say anything. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times. And then on the seventh day and on the seventh time, I want you to shout. I want the trumpets to sound. Notice that. I want the trumpets to sound. And when you hear the trumpets sound, I want you to shout, and the walls are going to come down. One more verse of Scripture. Watch this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 and verse 30. Hebrews, chapter 11 and verse 30. Notice the words that Hebrews says here. It says, by faith the walls fell down. By faith, the walls fell down. I want to talk to you about this subject or this title. If you're taking notes this morning, these walls must come down. I want you to repeat after me this morning. These walls must come come down. I have a destiny to fulfill. I have a purpose to walk out. God is calling me forward. God has a great future in store for you and store for me, but these walls must come down. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, I ask for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to minister to your people this morning. I ask that you would speak through me. And that you would minister to every person under the sound of my voice here this morning. And Lord, we're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. As you look into the backdrop of this text, in, in this narrative concerning Joshua. The Bible said that Joshua is leading the people into God's promise for their life. He is now the commander after he has succeeded Moses. He he is now leading the people of God. And the Bible said they have crossed over the Jordan River and now they're headed toward the promised land, the land of Canaan. Now the Bible said this, that Joshua sent out spies to go spy out the land that God was sending them to. He sent the spies and he said, I want you to go check out. I want you to take a look at what God has promised us, what God has said belongs to us. Now I want you to notice this, that, that they were not there yet, but it was theirs. They were not stepping into the place that God had promised yet, but it was theirs. They were not enjoying the blessings of what God had prophesied and spoken yet, but it was already there. And the Bible said that he sent out the spies. And what was awesome about this particular text, notice it said in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 1 that Jericho, notice this, that it was tightly shut up because of the children of Israel. Now that grabbed my attention there. You think about the city being secured just simply for the sake of security, but it says specifically it was tightly shut up because of the children of Israel. And when you look back at chapter 2, we see the beginning of why Jericho was tightly shut up. The Bible said that as they sent the spies into the land, that they came across the first person by the name of Rahab. And, And the Bible said they had this encounter with Rahab and And Rahab, when she encountered these spies that represent God's people, God's chosen people, God's ordained people, check out what she says in verses 9 through 11. She said, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And then she says that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you for we have heard how the Lord has dried up the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites on the other side of Jordan and the Bible says who you utterly destroyed watch this as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. for the Lord your God. He is God in heaven above and on earth. In other words, what Rahab was saying was before you even got here, we already heard about you. We heard how God's hand is on your life. We heard how God has already given you the land that we think that we occupy. In other words, we heard that we are now trespassing on your promise, and we have heard that it doesn't matter what we try to do, this land belongs to God's people. And what really grabs me about it, the Bible said that no Notice this, that their hearts began to faint. They began to lock down and tighten everything up. They began to do everything they possibly could because they knew that God's promised people were on their way. They had marching orders and they were coming to take ground in territory. And what gets me is this. Notice how afraid the enemy was of the promise that was upon God's people's life. Could it be that the enemy has more faith in what God has called you to do than what you have and what God has called you? to do. Could it be that the enemy is more scared of you really understanding who you are in Christ and what God has called you to do? Because see, something I've learned when it comes to vipers, when it comes to snakes, you know, Satan is a, the Bible says he's a serpent. They say that the only reason why they strike and they bite is they do it out of fear. Hallelujah. My God, the only time they bite, they will tell you, is when they are afraid. In other words, what I'm saying is, could it be that the constant strikes and bites of hell that have been coming to your life and to your family, maybe to your children, is an indication of how afraid hell is over the promises of God over your life. In other words, your promise is causing a panic attack in hell, and the enemy is afraid of you really knowing who you are and what God has called you to do. Can I tell you something this morning? God has called you for such a time as this, and the devil is afraid of you really grabbing a hold of the call of God that is upon your life this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to declare to somebody today, today is your time to rise up and see yourself as God sees you. You are not a victim. You are a victor. You are not less than. You are more than enough with God, and the enemy is afraid of you really grabbing a hold of it this morning. The devil doesn't want you to realize who you are in Christ Jesus. The devil wants to direct your attention to your past and the things that you have done. Now I want to tell you here this morning, you may think that the people that God used throughout the Word of God were people that had it all together, but I want to tell you something here differently this morning. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced five times. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. And Lazarus was dead. My question to you this morning is what's your excuse? Hallelujah. What's your excuse to be used by God this morning? God has called you for such a time as this. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And I'll keep on preaching this morning. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. And the Bible said that Jericho was tightly shut up. And and you know what gets me about this text also? Notice the reputation of the people. Watch this. They had a a whole city in an uproar. You see, it's time for the body of Christ to rise up once again and establish reputation. There should be a reputation of the church in every city. Come on, somebody. Wherever there is a church of the living God, there should be a reputation in that city that causes hell to shake. People should sit back. If you don't want to get healed, don't go to that church. If you want to stay bound, don't go to that church. If you want to stay addicted, don't go to that church. If you want to live in darkness and depression, don't go to that church. If you want to have a broken down family, don't go to that church. Because if you go to that church, if you go to the house of God, freedom will come. Deliverance will come. Salvation will come. Breakthrough will come. Turnarounds will come. Divine reversals will come. And we need that type of reputation that we are the church triumphant. And if you believe that, I want you to give God a shout of praise, and I'll keep on moving this morning. Hallelujah. And the Bible said that Jericho stood before them. Jericho, which was a great problem in their life, and the Bible said that Jericho was a city to be conquered, and as you know, it had massive walls that surrounded that city. Really, it was two walls that surrounded the city of Jericho. History tells us that the first wall was about 6 feet thick and 20 feet high. The second was about 12 feet thick and 30 feet high. And in between it was a span of about 15 feet that was guarded by soldiers. And when you looked at this wall, the only thing that would really come to your mind is that this thing is too big, it's too massive, it's too great to chisel through, We need a miracle from God. Any military, any means of conquering Jericho at that time, it was impossible. Now, we oftentimes, we face obstacles in our life. We face Jericho walls, and I'm going to talk momentarily about what those Jericho walls can be. But we find ourselves facing barriers, barriers in between us and where God has called us to be between us and the promise of God that is upon our life. Maybe there are obstacles in our family, in our finances, obstacles in everyday life. And see, so we have to understand that when it comes to obstacles as God's people, we have to view them different. Because obstacles are always opportunities for God to show himself strong on your behalf. Problems are just opportunities for God to provoke his power and your situation. Paul put it like this, that in our weakness, his strength is made. Perfect. In other words, God's greatness is often fertilized and human strength. And so when you get to the point to think that something is too big and too strong and too overwhelming to overcome, it is then we must understand and recognize that this is a job for the Lord. Now, hear what I'm about to say. Are you ready? I'm about to go somewhere here this morning. You see, before the children of Israel, could go in and possess the city of Jericho, those walls had to come down in order for them to go forward in the Lord, these walls had to come down. For them to begin to possess everything that God had for them, these walls had to come down. There is a place of blessing and provision and calling that waited on the other side of those walls, but in order for them to go forward in the Lord, these walls had to come down. And if the truth be told, in this this morning at 11 a.m., all of us have some sort of walls that need to come Come down in our life. I don't care how long we've been saved. I don't care how nice and pretty that we are, or how much swag that you may have this morning. All of us have some sort of wall or walls that need to come down. Walls that are hindering us and holding us back from God's best in our life. It can be walls of insecurity. It can be walls of depression and fear. It could be walls of hurts from the past, walls of bitterness and resentment, of frustration and anger, walls of low self-esteem, walls of all types of wrong mindsets and mentalities for some of us. But I'm here on a mission this morning to let you know that these walls do not have to stand, but these walls must come down. These walls must come down. Hallelujah. They can come down. Walls of of addiction, walls of abuse, walls of agony, walls of pain, walls of anxiety, they do not have to stand in your life. They can come down. Now, I need four people here this morning to shout, they can come down, and I'll move on this morning. (laughs) They can come down. Hallelujah. We need to understand something. You see, God did not bring... the children of Israel, to Jericho for them to stop there. He did not bring them out of Egypt to stop at Jericho. God did not save you just to leave you where you are right now. If that was the case, he would save you, kill you, and send you on your way. But that's not what God did. You have a plan. You have a purpose that God has placed upon your life. There's more for your life. There's greater for your life. You're you're still here. And it's because God has something for you to accomplish. Now, I want you to know this, that this world is dependent upon your obedience to Christ. This world is dependent upon you standing up and doing what God has called you to do. I'm not talking about your neighbor this morning. I'm not talking about a preacher or an evangelist. I'm talking about you this morning. God has called you for such a time as this. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and this world is dependent upon that this morning. Now, it's important to understand that the perception of the walls in your life, in the personal Jericho's, is also key. That you can either view it as an impossibility and lose, or you can view it as an opportunity for God to work a miracle and win. Your reaction to that wall is also key. You can turn around and go back and die in the wilderness of unbelief or you can do as Joshua did and face the fortress and declare that with man it's impossible but with God all things are possible. And Hebrews says it like this in chapter 11 and verse 30 that by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled seven days. Now you notice there it says by faith. By faith. People often say that it was the shouts that brought the wall down. But the Bible doesn't say their shouts brought the wall down. The Bible says they came down by faith. You see, you don't shout to get faith. You shout because you've already got faith. You don't shout to get it. You shout because you've already gotten it. God has already promised it. God has already spoken it. You've already seen it in the spiritual, and you shout by faith, hallelujah. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down, hallelujah. Glory to God. Now watch this. Whenever God has a gigantic task that he wants to perform, he gives faith to his people. Now, How did Joshua do it? How did Joshua go in and conquer the city of Jericho? What what does this story written over 3,000 years ago tell us about our walk with the Lord? Are you ready? The Bible said that in Joshua chapter 5, it says that Joshua stood and looked, and behold, the man stood opposite of him with a sword drawn in in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I come now. And Joshua fell on his face and worshiped and said, what does my Lord say? Hallelujah. Now, now notice that Joshua looked at this man and he said, wait a minute. What gets me is this, the Bible said Joshua looked and he saw a man, but here's the problem. He saw a man, but it wasn't a man. The Bible says it was the commander of the army of the Lord. And if you study it, it was a preview of Christ in the Old Testament because Christ is considered to be the commander of the army of the Lord. And so the first thing you've got to understand, notice he saw a man, but it wasn't a man. It was a God. It it was God. In other words, don't get so caught up in the practical that you don't see the Spirit spiritual and your situation Joshua thought that he was going to conquer the city in a natural way but it was a spiritual way that it was about to go down and notice what he asked him he said are you a friend or are you a foe are you with us or are you against us isn't it amazing how life always wants us to choose sides are you with them or are you with me Are you with them or are you with us? Are you for us or are you against us? Are you church of God or are you church of God in Christ? Always trying to choose sides. But the Lord said, I'm not coming here to choose sides. I'm coming here to take over because I'm the one in control. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He came to take charge. Why is that important? Because the Bible said that then Joshua fell down and began to worship. And the Bible said he asked this question, what would you have your servant to do? Now notice the humility on Joshua's behalf. Notice he went from being a commander to a servant. It says, what would your servant what would you have your servant to do? Because you see, Joshua had his shoulders squared up to this point because he was a great military leader. But he understand that in that moment, I am no longer in charge. I must humble myself. And notice what he said. He said, what would you have me to do? In other words, if these walls are going to come down, it's not going to come down your way. It's going to come down God's way. And God's way is through the power of the Holy Spirit and your dependence upon Jesus and what he's done for you on Calvary his cross. That's where Jesus gave you the victory over the Jericho walls and the enemies in your life this morning. He said, what would you have me to do? So Joshua was asking God, what is your strategy for this? What is your plan for this? Because you see, the problem is, too many times, and I'm ready to preach now, too many times we think that God is our butler and our maid, and we can summon God to carry out our agendas in life. We want him to authorize what he hasn't authorized. We want him to okay what he hasn't ordained. Come on, somebody, don't shout me down now. We want him to okay what he hasn't ordained. And sometimes we want God to flat out bless mess, but it does not work that way. It does not happen that way. Have you ever gone to a restaurant before and you get ready to pay your bill? And as you're looking at that bill, you start looking at all the different items and you say, Well, I didn't pay for that, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't order that, I didn't order, order that. Now, none of you, if you saw those things on your receipt, are going to say, you know what, I'm going to be a blessing today, I'm just going to pay for food I didn't eat. The devil is a liar, you're not that saved this morning. No, you're going to call the waiter over, and you're going to say, I didn't order this, and I'm not paying for this. Well, if we won't pay for things that we haven't ordered, why are we trying to get God to pay for things that he hasn't ordered? Why are we trying to to get God to pay for things that he never ordained in our life? Well, if that's your attitude when it comes to stuff that you haven't ordered, we should realize that God cannot bless mess. got to submit to his will to his way why are we trying to get him to pay for things we've ordered in our own lives he didn't order that girlfriend he didn't order that boyfriend that was your order that came off the menu from your hungriness and thirstiness and now you're mad at God because he or she is acting crazy but God says I didn't order it in the first place that was your order I feel like preaching this morning I won't bless that mess. And if you want the walls of Jericho to come down, you've got to have God's authorization. And Joshua said, this is how you do it. You have to fall down on your face, and you got to begin to worship. And the Bible said that he laid down his sword. In other words, I'm going to put my sword down. I'm going to put my ability down. Because understand, before you can conquer, you must first be conquered. I'm going to say that again this morning. Before you can conquer, you must first be conquered. God had to conquer Joshua before Joshua's enemies could be conquered. Joshua had to realize that I can't do this in my own strength. I can't do this in my own ability. I've got to put my sword down. He laid his sword down. He was saying, I'm putting down my ability. And, and what's interesting is, is is the Bible says that you and I are more than conquerors through him. Through him. We are more than conquerors, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't conquer by yourself, but you conquer when you allow him to conquer you. I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning. And the Bible said that once Joshua met the commander and host and fell on his face, the Bible said that he was given instructions. He said, here's your instructions. I need you to march six days. To go around in silence, here's your instructions, watch this, on the seventh day, march seven times and shout. Now, I must help you to understand that these were strange instructions that were given to a military army. I, I mean, they got cannons and all sorts of kinds of stuff, and you're saying march, but not only march, but march in silence. Have you lost your mind? I mean, imagine what Joshua, Who? He, I mean, he's used to fighting. He was a skilled military strategist of that day. I mean, he's taken names, but now God gives him strange instructions. Can I tell you something this morning? Strange instructions will always require strong faith. Strange instructions will always require strong faith. Because, see, oftentimes God will remove instruments and then give you instructions. Some of you have been so used to the instruments of your own ability and gifting, and God is saying in this season, it's not going to be about your instruments, it's going to be about my instructions. I'm going to do more for you through my instructions than you've ever seen me do through your instruments. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, some of you are in a season right now, and you are scratching your head because you're trying to do what you've always done, but you're not getting the same results that you used to get. And I'm here to declare it's a new season, and God has taken you from instruments that you've been used to, and he wants to give you fresh instructions because there's a place that he wants to take you, but these walls have got to come down in your life. And he tells them to do something silly, and and, and why would God tell the children of Israel to do something silly? It's very simple, because God was testing their obedience. You see, circling the walls had nothing to do with the walls, but it had everything to do with the people's will. It had nothing to do with the walls, but God was saying, when you you trust me, when I don't give you tactics, when it seems like your life is just going in circles, will you still trust me? When it seems like nothing is changing, will you still trust me? You're praying, but seemingly nothing is moving. Will you trust me? You're worshiping, and you're looking at that wall, and nothing's happening, but you keep circling. You keep doing everything that you know to do, and it seems like you're just going in circles and circles, but getting nowhere. But I want to announce to you that when it comes to life, when it seems like you're going in a circular motion, seemingly getting nowhere, that is the same posture that is needed for the potter's hand when when he molds a vessel. See, when the clay gets on the wheel, it has to go in circles. When the clay is placed on the table, it doesn't move forward. It has to keep going in circles. And to the vessel, it seems monotonous, but to God is preparation. In other words, you don't think anything is going on in your life right now, but keep praising, keep worshiping, keep giving, keep sowing, keep serving. Because every time you do, he's molding you, he's shaping you, he's forming you. He's working out cracks. He's working out lumps. He's breaking things. He's breaking people off. He's removing things. He's adding things. He's subtracting things. He's multiplying things. I know it seems like you're going crazy, but stay on the potter's wheel and let him mold you and let him shape you and let him do what he wants to do in your life this morning. Hallelujah. I've got to hurry. Can I have about 10 more minutes? Raise your hand if I can have 10 more minutes. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. got an hour left. Thank you. Thank you. Gracious. Imagine what it was like as they continued to walk around those walls. Watch this. They walked around the first time. Nothing happened. Two three, four, five, six times. And on the sixth day, not even a crack in the mud, not even dust had moved. Now, imagine how frustrating that, that could be when you're obeying God and and, and you're doing what he's, he's said to do in his crazy instruction. I've been doing it, but I'm not seeing any progress. And you say, God, I'm doing what you've called me to do, but what are you waiting on? Have you ever felt like that? I'm doing what you've called me to do, but what are you waiting on? And God says, I'm not waiting. It's not what I'm waiting on. I'm what I'm waiting, it's what I'm waiting for. Because God wants to teach you that waiting time is not wasted time. God can do anything when he wants to do it. But sometimes we want to be in places that we're not prepared for. So God says, my timing is not restriction. My timing is actually protection. Because I know where I see you. I know where I've called you. I know the promise on your life. And where you are, where you are called to be. So my timing is not my restraining, my timing is my protection because I don't want you to put you and something that you're not ready for. And somebody here is in a waiting season right now. But I want you to know those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God has not failed you, He's not forsaken you, He's not given up on you. The Lord is with you this morning, and He is faithful to Carry out what he has begun in your life this morning. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you believe that this morning. So frustrated in in your waiting season because God sees your future and it's bright and it's great and as you're waiting just go ahead and rejoice because he's adding to my faith. He's adding to my strength. He's adding to my character. I'm going to have a faith like I've never had before. I'm going to have a prayer life like I, I never used to have. My praise is going to another extent. My consecration is going deeper. He is working on me in the waiting and so keep on keeping on. Hallelujah. Keep going, keep following Jesus, hallelujah. And when they went around the seventh time, they began to shout. And God said, I need you to start vocalizing. Notice he told Joshua, He said, See, I have given you Jericho. Isn't it interesting? The Lord told him to see, I have given you Jericho, but they didn't have it yet. You know what he was saying? He was saying, I want you to get a vision of victory in your spirit. I want you to see those walls coming down before they even come down. I want you to see yourself walking in freedom and liberty. I want you to see yourself not having to run to that bottle anymore, not having to pop those pills anymore. I want you to see it. He said, see, I have given you that. See yourself on the other side of the wall that you're facing. See yourself strong in Him when you're feeling weak. See yourself in the beauty of who you are that God has made you. Some of you only see yourselves as ugly and messed up and worthless. But no, you've got to understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You've got to see that you are made in the image of God. And he said when you start seeing, he said I want you to start shouting. You see, victory begins in the spirit before we see it in the natural. We have to see the victory by faith before we walk in victory. So many people bound by sin, but it's just like they're, they're just going over the same thing over and over and over and over again. They've got to see themselves as free through the blood of Jesus Christ. They've got to realize that Jesus already defeated the power of sin in their life before they can walk in the victory that God intends for them to walk in. He told Joshua, I want you to see yourself on the other side of that Jericho wall. I want you to to get a vision of it in your spirit. Maybe you're bound by depression. Maybe you're bound by fear. The world right now, there's a, a dilemma of fear, not just in the world, but in the church. People of God living in fear. It is not God's will for you to live in fear. You can come up out of that fear and up out of that depression, but you've got to realize it's God's will for you to come out of that fear and out of that depression. You've got to realize that Jesus defeated fear and depression 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, and you can have that victory here this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the miry clay out of a horrible pit, and he set my feet upon a rock. God's given you victory this morning. The Bible said they began to shout, and when they heard the trumpet sound and they began to shout, the Bible says that they ran in, the walls began to, to fall, and they ran in and took the city of Jericho. I don't know what kind of walls you're facing in your life this morning. Maybe it's walls of fear, walls of insecurity, walls of abuse, walls of hurt from the past, past failure. The devil's told you because what you've done, God can no longer use you for his glory. You failed too much. You've fallen too much. You know, they say the hardest animal to catch is called a ringtail monkey. These these monkeys are very difficult to catch, but not for the locals. Because what the locals have discovered is that these monkeys, they like a certain kind of, of melon seed. And so what the locals will do is they'll carve a, a small hole in that cage. And they'll put a melon seed on the other side of that cage, and that monkey will reach through that hole and grab a hold of that that melon seed. As long as it holds on to that melon seed, it cannot pull its hand back through until it's eventually taken into captivity. And yet we do the same thing because we don't let go of the past. We don't let go of failure from our past, and we hold on to those things, and those things bring us into captivity, into a place of bondage, to a place where we feel like we cannot go forward in the Lord. I'm getting ready to close, and singers and musicians can come back. But the Bible tells us that in the book of Acts, there's a man by the name of, of Eutychus. This man, Eutychus, he fell three stories. Now, you may ask the question why was his name Eutychus? Because Eutychus, too, if you would have fallen three stories out of a building. The Bible says that that Paul was preaching. And here's Eutychus in the window of this building. In other words, he had one foot in the church and one foot out of the church. One foot in the church and one foot in the world. And the Bible said that he fell asleep and he falls down three stories. And everybody said he's dead. They said he's over. He knew better. Church served him well. But he shouldn't have had one foot in the church and one foot out of the church. He fell and he's done. He's over. And the ushers went out there to scrape up his body from the concrete. The Bible said that Paul left the service where he was preaching. And he ran to Eutychus. And the Bible said that he fell on Eutychus. And he said these words. He said, there's still life in him. Hallelujah. There's still life in Him. And that's what I've come to preach to you here this morning. You may have fallen and you may have failed, but there's still life in you this morning. There's still life in what God has called you to do. There's still life in the plan, in the dream that God has given to you. There's still life in you. But these walls must come down. You can stand to your feet this morning as they play what they feel led to play this morning. I don't know what's standing in between you and the plan of God for your life. I don't know what kind of wall you may be facing in your life this morning. But I want you to know those walls can come down. Lord has called you for such a time as he has a greater plan and purpose for your life. He hasn't called you to stay where you are right now. He wants to move you forward. There's a a progress in our walk with God. And so as they play whatever they feel led to play this morning, if you would say there's some things in my life that need to come down. There's barriers in my life that I feel like are holding me back and I want those walls to come down so I can walk in the freedom and I can carry out the call of God for my life. If that's you this morning, as they play, I want you to make your way up to the front at this time.